I just finished this book, and I am telling you, it might just be a perfect winter read. It's one part Gone Girl, one part Severance, and 100% unique in its depiction of mental illness. Now, if you're not typically a psych thriller junkie, don't tune out just yet. So I think it's very interesting where this book gets shelved because you can kind of tell a little bit about a person's cultural background just by if they identify it as being a fantasy book or a thriller or a suspense. Um, It almost says more about the person reading it than it says about the book itself in a weird way. This is Stateside. I'm April Bear. Southwest Michigan writer Maria Dong's debut novel, Liar, Dreamer, Thief, is about a young woman who's trying to repair her glitched-up life as she surveils a man that she works with, a man with whom she believes she shares some kind of connection. The truth that she unravels turns out to be more surprising than she could imagine. Liar, Dreamer, Thief comes out tomorrow. It's listed as a most anticipated book of 2023 by Goodreads and by Overdrive. Maria Dong joined us to talk about the book. Like her protagonist, Katrina Kim, Maria's Korean-American identity plays a role in the story and in some plot points that leave Katrina isolated and desperate. There's another thing that Maria and Katrina have in common. They've both experienced the world around them in unique ways because of mental illness. And so Maria Dong used those experiences to inform a layered, fantastical thriller. So the frame for this book, Katrina Kim, uh, the, the main character, it is kind of reminiscing about a children's book that is very dear to her heart as she is walking us through some things that are happening in her life. And the, the children's book is memorable to her for a couple of reasons. The title has great alliteration. It's a, it's a much-loved Korean children's story, and it, it gives her some connection with her parents' world. But also, the book's protagonist is able to view secret worlds that are layered in the world around her. Can you tell us about that choice to to sort of bring this in as part of Katrina's universe? Yeah, I, I feel so lucky here that I have such a great editorial team at Grand Central. Um, in the original, like, bleeding new version of the book, um, right when I had just finished it, she had this um, fantasy world that she was accessing, but it wasn't directly tied to that children's book. I kind of brought it like 80% of the way there and didn't quite cross the finish line. And my editor was like, what are you doing? (laughs) These are obviously the same thing. Can you hook this up for us? So, you know, I went back and kind of strengthened that connection. And um, I have to say that was such a wonderful suggestion. I think it makes the book so much more cohesive. So I was really um, grateful for that. Yeah. There's a passage in the book that I think does a good job sort of showing uh, what you know, her her connection with the book and also the way that she is seeing the world as someone who is perceiving very differently than most of us do in the moment. Can I ask you to read for us? Sure. A horror overtakes you, but when you shut your eyes, you see around you a tall, enchanted forest full of pines and spruce, and you realize what you've done. You've stepped through Mihi's door, and now it's your turn to enter a world full of fantastical, sentient creatures, friend and foe. It's your turn to go off exploring and have grueling adventures, sure the entire time that these challenges will turn out all right in the end. Because for once, you are the hero of this story. This story whose sole purpose is to mold you into a better version of yourself. You get back in your car. 
You push the accelerator down as if the car itself has wings. Only then do you see the cuts on your legs, the red of your blood from the glass, and wonder at your own boldness. You drive to your new life in Grand Station, because Grand Station is bigger and better, the perfect place to be a bigger, better you. But shortly after you arrive, you realize how wrong you were. The challenges in Grand Station are no different from the ones you left behind in Plaisance. Every problem you come up against here, you've met before, but at an easier level of difficulty, when all you had to do was be a normal person in a normal place with normal rules. We see as the plot unfolds just how impossible that's going to be for her. Maria, can you tell us a little bit, the, the, the excerpt that we just heard This is very much Katrina going into a different kind of narrator voice, kind of retelling her own story to herself. It's one of several devices she uses to try to keep herself on track and not go off into a fantasy world. Can you tell us a little bit about what's going on, Katrina, and how you imagined her mental state when you conceived of the book? You know, I think that um, in a very real way, a big portion of this book comes from my own experiences with mental illness and particularly how it feels to uh, be unable to trust your own version of reality. I think that um, you know everyone has a different level of confidence in the world around them, that things will turn out a certain way, that tomorrow the sun will come up, that the things that you see are actually there. And if you've ever had an experience where that's no longer true, it alters the way you see the entire world. And um, I remember I was talking to my sister about this book. She was one of the first people that got to read it. And she mentioned something like, oh, I really love this character because I'm only 80% sure myself that anything is real. And I thought, oh, it runs in the family. (laughs) You know what I mean? So um, I think that all of the coping mechanisms and all of these different um, rituals that she's going through, these um, things that she recites to herself, they're all kind of taken out of different aspects of my own experience um, and just my way of navigating the world and kind of creating safety and trust in an unsafe, untrustworthy world. One of the things that hit me right away with the book is as she's describing, as Katrina's describing her rituals, some of which have to do with, uh, you know, using her fingers to draw imaginary sigils or actual, you know, pens and things to draw sigils that she she feels help keep her safe. I think a lot of times it's easy for someone who doesn't experience the world that way to assume that this is something divergent and that sends people off into fantasy, but you present them in a way that shows this is something that is calming. And this is something that's, you know, can speak of protection depending on how acute the situation is. Um, Was that, was that something that felt important? Yeah, for a lot of reasons. Um, Some of them being the mental health reasons that we just talked about. Some of those are also cultural reasons. I think that, um, you know, when you journey around the world and um, including my own cultural background, I'm Korean American and and my mom is an immigrant from Korea. Um, There are, I don't know how to call this because it's not exactly magic, but there is a trust in in superstitions, in um, shapes and balance and symbols um, that, you know, when you come from outside of that culture might feel strange. Um, But it is it is it is real. It's perceived as real and it feels real. We need to take a short break. More with writer Maria Dong in just a minute. Support for the Stateside Podcast comes from Kalamazoo College, offering a personalized education that combines critical thinking, curiosity, and creativity. Committed to preparing students for meaningful careers that make a positive impact on the world. 
More at kzoo.edu. Support for Michigan Public's stateside podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well-being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org. Another thing that really kind of had me leaning in was your depiction of how people are with each other in the workplace. Katrina, as her own life is kind of in shreds, has started following this guy who she works with, who she doesn't really know very well, but she feels like she might have some kind of connection with him that maybe he also sees supernatural dimensions to the world. I don't want to spoil the story, but there there is a connection between them. But she it turns out she had no idea what was going on the whole time. Um, we should say that that Katrina is a temp. Can you tell us a little bit about writing the workplace portions of the book? So I very recently in my life, within the last couple of years, realized that I have ADHD. And um, one of the ways that um, ADHD is sometimes diagnosed in adults is when they look at your work history and they see you constantly flipping from job to job to job. And I was definitely one of those people, not just job to job, but like major career to major career. And when the pandemic started, I was actually an occupational therapist, which had been a big career change for me. I was in apartment management before that. Um, and then I decided I was you know, bored and I wanted to do something new, which is kind of the impetus for almost everything in my life. I'm either bored or I want to know something. And that's kind of how my entire life is engineered. So I, um, I got sick. I got COVID at the beginning of COVID. And I was sick for some time. And then after I wasn't sick anymore, I realized I wanted to, a new job. So I changed careers again. Um, one of the interesting things about changing careers so many times and changing jobs so many times is it's given me this big variety of experiences to pull from when I do something like write a book. And Katrina's experiences are actually based on my own experiences working in this back-end rebuilding insurance environment. Um, it's a very real thing. They often do hire temps in these positions. And I have several years of experience working as a temp and kind of being in that like twilight place between employee and not employee. And it's a very difficult and very um, unsteady, unsafe place to be as a a worker, right? You don't have the protections that employees often have. It can be very frustrating. And a lot of times these companies that manage these temp employees can be almost um, like totalitarian in their approach to these employees. They're not treated as valued workers and human beings, but instead as like, you know, hammers with which to attack a a job. And so I think I have a lot of (laughs) built up like uh, trauma and resentment around work in the workplace and particularly like the changes that have happened in work in the American workplace over the last, I would say like 10 years. Um, And a lot of that made its way into this book. Yeah, it's it really comes across. And I think something a lot of people can relate to. And and just also the question of how we know the people that we see every day in a workplace and how much we really know them and how much they know us, whether or not they're somebody that we talk to a lot. I mean, a lot of people spend more time with their coworkers than they do with their families. Yeah. We assume we know them, but maybe not. I think it also has something to do with uh, parasocial relationships, like these like um, these fake relationships that we have with people we don't really know, like online or, you know, people that we meet in these very um, specific, um, very narrow spaces where we only see this very, very tiny slice of who they are. And we make a lot of assumptions about these people. I think it's very natural and normal and human to kind of construct narratives for the people that we meet, um, including in these um, online spaces. 
Uh, but it's also kind of dangerous and it can be very isolating to do that because it's not a real human connection. Now, at a lot of times, it's not a real human connection. Um, sometimes it is. I actually have some of my closest friends, particularly in the writing sphere, where people I met online that later developed into like what I would call real friendships. Um, but during that process, I discovered these people were very different than how I had initially conceived of them. A lot of Katrina's story has to do with just sorting out what is going on with a series of circumstances that are escalating in her life. And a lot of what is going on with her is just trying to figure out what she can trust about the world around her. And as she is as she is navigating a fantasy world, as she is navigating really challenging uh, situations in the physical world, um, you know, just figuring that out and her coming to a different place with all that felt like a real turning point in the book. And it's it's not necessarily the same as the plot's turning point. Would you say more about that for her? I think that this book is kind of interestingly plotted in the in the sense that I was I was pulling from a lot of media that wasn't necessarily American media or American fiction. I was looking at um, like Korean dramas, um, like Korean stories, which often don't maybe feel as um, like like a clean narrative in the way that Western audiences are used to. You kind of have to have a little more patience sometimes and emotional touchstones are uh, much more important than the plot itself. Uh, there, there are times where a person will have like a big emotion and that physically changes the world around them. If you look at reviews of the book, there are a lot of comments, positive and, and negative, about pacing and kind of how comfortable the pacing and the structure feel um, because they may not feel the most comfortable for someone who is used to like the, the typical thriller suspense plot structure. You're right. It is very much driven by her emotional and her internal journey, particularly her sense of comfort with understanding the world around her. Um, and I, I think that that's also an experience that is going to resonate a lot for people who come from a minority background, um, for people that are not used to certain amounts of privilege in their life, because you can't necessarily trust the structures around you the same way. And so that that sensation or that feeling, I think, is um, is one that, I don't know, I've felt my whole life. This is just another permutation of it. And that's the Stateside podcast for today. You can find full Stateside episodes at michiganradio.org. Today's podcast was produced by Ronia Kabansag. Other producers on our show are Mike Blank, Mercedes Mejia, and April Van Buren. Our podcast editor is Rachel Ishikawa. Our executive producer is Laura Weber Davis. Music for the podcast comes from Blue Dot Sessions. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Rebecca Williams. I'm Lester Graham. We've been working on a big project about Great Lakes birds called the Bird Connection. It will look at ducks and trumpeter swans. Egrets and herons. And piping plovers. Yes! We'll discuss what we've discovered at a Michigan Public Issues and Ale event. Including how some problems for birds are problems for people. It's at Arbor Brewing Company in Ypsilanti the evening of May 21st at 7. You can register at michiganpublic.org.